Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But when this angel puts his foot on the seas and he puts his foot on the land, what does it speak of? Authority. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth shows forth his handiwork. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell are in it. All of them are his. All of them are his. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And we also see in Psalm 19 that I just spoke of. Hi everyone and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio from Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor and Teacher Rob Kellogg. Our scripture today says, And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. We're not sure who this angel is, but we can be sure that he has been delegated by God to hold authority over both land and sea. Having his feet on both land and sea shows that he had the command of each and that his power was universal as all things were under his feet. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues this important lesson. And a rainbow was on his head. A rainbow was on his head and we know what the rainbow signifies. After the flood, remember, God spoke to Noah and gave him a promise that he would never flood the earth again with water. We've had local floods, but not a global flood. The global flood is a historical fact. They found seashells on top of Mount, uh, um, um, uh, uh, what's the big mountain there? Um, Mount McKinley? I mean, one of the big, the big mountains. They find sea animals fossilized up on those mountains. Hmm. Could it be that the world was flooded and the whole geography changed? as those water reservoirs underneath where, de- where water was coming up and the water canopy from above depleting the ground and the ground sinking like this, creating, in a sense, mountains all by themselves. And those sea creatures just lowering on top and being fossilized. Not a big stretch of the imagination, folks. Science backs it up. Science backs all of this up that's in the book of Genesis. Don't let anybody fool you. But the rainbow was a promise. And I love how he's sending this angel now, and he's where he has a rainbow on his head, which means it's a promise. God is not going to renege on his promises. God is going to make sure that all of his promises come to pass. And notice also he's got a face like the sun. We see a similarity of this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, when it describes the appearance of Jesus in his glorified state. What did it say? He had in his right hand seven stars, speaking of Christ, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And so we can see how this could be. 
And, his, and, then, and then also, he has uh, feet like pillars of fire. What does Revelation chapter 1, verse 15 say? Just a verse before this. His feet, speaking of Christ, was like fine brass, was like fine brass, as refined in a furnace. And as we look at this angel and we compare him with the angel in Revelation chapter 5, they sound very similar, but there's no reason to believe that they are, or there is no reason to believe that they are one, but rather two separate angels. So we really don't need to spend any more time on that because it just is an angel. And, um, and we'll look more at this in just a minute. Because if it was Jesus, I believe John would have just said, hey, it's Jesus. Right? He doesn't need to... Besides, the book of Revelation is, a, is an unveiling. It's not a concealing. Now, are there things in it that are concealed that we still don't know? Yes, there are. There are things in the Bible like that. We'll get to that later. But it's to unveil him. So if this was him, I am certain that John would have said, this is Jesus. But I don't believe it is. Notice verse 2, he had a little book in his, open in his hand. The book was already opened. So here he has this book, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And we'll discuss this little book when we get to verse 8, uh, verse eight later on. But it's interesting because in our current time that we live in, the Bible says that Satan is the ruler of this world. We know that God created the world, but because of sin and rebellion, we have basically forfeited that, and Satan has it under his rule right now. And Jesus didn't argue that with him, but it's only for a short time because when Jesus comes back in his second coming, Satan will be evicted. He hasn't been paying his rent. In New York State, you can stay in a house even though you've been evicted, but it's not going to happen here. You're not going to be able to have 30 or 90 days to kind of hang out and figure it out. No, you're, you're going, buddy. <laughs> you're going to be taken out. But when this angel puts his foot on the seas and he puts his foot on the land, what does it speak of? Authority. The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows forth his handiwork. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell are in it. All of them are his. All of them are his. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And we also see in Psalm 19 that I just spoke of, The heavens declare the glory of God. It all belongs to him, but soon the devil himself will be cast into the abyss. We'll see that when we get into Revelation chapter 20. And boy, what a happy day that's going to be. When our enemy, the one who has plagued our souls, plagued, you know, all this time, he's going to be locked up for a time. The false prophet and the Antichrist, they will be thrown into the Lake of fire known as Gehenna. That's the eternal state for the wicked dead. But God's going to save Satan for a while. He's going to put him into the abyss. He's going to put him in a dungeon in a sense. And he's going to be there for a thousand years while we enjoy the redeemed, rejoy time, enjoy time with Christ on the earth and the millennial reign of Christ. And at the end of that time, he will be released. But right now, it's under Satan's control, this earth, but not for long, because Jesus is going to interrupt that rental agreement very soon, 
very soon. Notice verse 3, and he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, the seven thunders uttered their voices. Thunder is often preceded by God's judgment. If you look in the Bible, even when uh, God gave to uh, Moses the Ten Commandments, what happened before he gave those Ten Commandments? There was thick, dark clouds. There was lightning. There was thunder and loud trumpets sounded on the Mount Sinai. That happened. And that was a foreboding. <laughs> and certainly as these seven thunders, they utter their voices. We don't know what they said because God didn't allow John to write them down for whatever reason. There's a mystery for you. Why is it that God reveals some things and not other things? They must not be necessary. Is, has what he has given to us, is it sufficient enough right now? Do we have enough to know and understand the plan of redemption? The plan of salvation? Yes, very much so. The Bible is very clear about those things, but it's a little unclear about other things. And why is that? Is it because God wants to keep it from us? No, he's like, you don't need to know that yet. You'll, you'll see. And let that be enough. Let that be enough for you. If God tells me I don't need to know something very patently, then I just, I'll rest in that. Because I trust him. Do you trust him? Yeah. And so... Verse 4, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, notice, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. And again, there are mysteries in the Bible, but don't let that deter you from what God has clearly said concerning the things that we do understand. The major in the things that God has spoken very clearly and minor in the things that are um, not so clear. We don't have to uh, get all hung up on those things. And some people are even side, uh, they're kind of taken off course by the things that they don't know. Well, listen, focus on the things that are very clear and that are known because those are the things that are to the saving of the soul. Those are the things that are most important. Most important is the salvation of your soul. God loves you so much, what? That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's a life that never ends. Would you rather live an everlasting life or everlasting contempt in hell? You make that decision. God does not make that for you. And I hope everyone here in this room and those online have made that decision today. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. More than who you're going to marry. More than the next car that you might buy. More than anything that you would purchase. Anything that you would do in this life, there's no greater thing than to know that you are one of God's children. Be a child of God. If you are not a child of God, cry out to him today. Don't wait until tomorrow because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Man, it is such a trip, isn't it? Uh, just last Saturday, I was, I was driving along a um, five-mile line to my home, and there was a, a bunch of crew, you know, ambulance and police cars everywhere down there by the high school. And I was wondering what was going on. I thought maybe it was a car accident. Some guy got hit by, on a bike, on a 10-speed on a, on a bike. He was biking, and somebody hit him. I don't know if he – I'm hoping he's well, but I don't know. But you know what? That can happen. So why are you playing Russian roulette today – with what you don't know might happen, even on your way home from church today. You have no idea. My time is not in my hands. Our time is in God's hands. Only he knows the date. It behooves us then to listen to him, right? Because, why? Just because he's gonna, he might you know, send us to hell? No, because of his great love. 
Let his love be the thing that re- and, and just grabs a hold of you. What did Paul say? The love of God constrains me. That's what provokes me to go out and share with others. I don't want anybody to go through the things that we're talking about today. Do you? Do you want a family member, a, a, a co-worker, a friend, for them to go through any of this stuff? Because let me tell you, if the church was raptured today, folks, this stuff is well on its way. And it will happen exactly as it's stated in the Bible. They will be actually be able to have a copy of the scriptures if, if, they've, if they've got them and find out what's coming next. It's like a horrible menu that you don't want to eat from. A horrible menu. What's coming? And they'll be able to read it. Can you imagine the horror of that? I mean, it's going to get worse. Oh, yeah. It's going to get a lot worse. And, you know, people can be saved during that time, but it's going to be very, very difficult. Don't play games with God. Don't play games with God. In the book of Daniel also, you know, God had given him revelation of things yet in the future, and then he tells him, even Daniel, Daniel, seal these things up. Seal these things up. Is there a Bible teacher anywhere that can explain to me the wheels within a wheel in Ezekiel's first couple chapters of Ezekiel? Any of you figured that out? I have no clue. I read that, and it's a mystery to me. It's supposed to. I don't know anything about it. I'm just like, I, my jaw hits the ground, I draw flies. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. It's a mystery. And I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Are you okay with that? I love what John Walvoord said. He said, this illustrates a divine principle that while God has revealed much, there are secrets that God has not seen fit to reveal at this time. And that is true. And what does the Bible say? In Deuteronomy 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. I love that. I love that. And what's the, what's the other one? In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge, but what knowledge puffs up? You know, we, we can have all the knowledge of these mysteries, and all it will do is puff you up in pride. Wouldn't it be better to major in the things that you do know and really learn those things and really have a devotional life with Jesus in the Bible? Don't let it just become a, a bunch of facts. You know, don't allow it to puff you up in pride because it does. If the Bible is just a textbook of, of prophecy to you, if it's just something that you're learning for knowledge, you're going to at some point hit a wall. Your relationship with God is going to be sour. You're going to find yourself kind of shriveled up and dying. Even though you're a Christian, you kind of cut off the flow from God's Spirit. It's supposed to be meant, it's meant to draw you into a right relationship with Him and fellowship with Him. It's not just a textbook. Granted, you can look at it that way, but if that's all you do, you're not gonna. You're gonna be missing out on the mo, the majority of it. We read the devi- the Bible devotionally. Read it to know Him, not so much what's written there. You find out about Him when you read it, and you find out a lot about us too. You find out a lot about yourself when you read the Bible. And it is possible to be very smart concerning the Scriptures, but not exhibit a loving, passionate relationship with Jesus. There are a lot of people who know the Bible really well, and yet their lives are shipwreck, and they're still involved in their sins because all they've done is look at the Bible for knowledge, and they can give you chapter and verse and give you the, the graphs and the charts and, and give you all that stuff. But if that's all it is, many, many people, unfortunately, that, that's as far as it goes. And it's not a bad thing. It's not the best thing. There's a whole part that's missing from their life. Because what keeps you from sinning? It's the Spirit of God in you and that relationship with Jesus that you have daily. 
him speaking to you. I would encourage you to foster that. Let that be the thing. Don't allow yourself to just get into knowledge. I have to be careful of that. Because I'm having a ball going through book, the, the Bible. I'm loving this more than I ever have in my life. I'm having such a great time. It's like, pinch me. Seriously. I'm having such a, I feel I'm, more, I'm more blessed now than at any, any time in my life. And you know why? It's because I'm in the Word. And that's the reason. And I'm with Him. And that has made all the difference. And you know that. The more you're with Him, the more you want to be with Him. The farther you get away from Him, the less you're going to want to do with Him. That's just the way it is. It's like a fire. It's like if you've ever been camping and you've got a coal of fires or a bunch of coals there in the fire and you take that one coal with the prongs, I wouldn't reach in and grab it if I were you, but take the tongs and separate that red hot brick, separate it off to the side. What happens to it? It starts to grow black, grow black, and then it starts to smoke and then it goes out. But the other ones are enjoying a happy, wonderful, blissful time together, nice and hot, staying together. And that's what happens when we isolate ourselves. And that is a good word for us right now because many, and for good reasons, some have isolated themselves. And you have your reasons, and this is not to dissuade you from that. But there are some that are hiding. This is just a really great excuse to back away. I would encourage you to not do that. Don't be that coal that gets separated. Believe me, I'm so glad we have this online thing now, but don't let that be the thing, because guess what? There's fellowship here. There's a bunch of you here today. I'm so blessed. There's more in the fellowship hall. We fellowship together. That's what we're supposed to do. It's, It's part of it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as some men do. Isn't that what the scripture says in Hebrews? When we do that, we separate ourselves, and we become unhealthy. At least you're hearing the word of God. Praise the Lord. But some are using it as an excuse. Some have a very good excuse. And I'm not talking to those people. I'm talking to the others who are using it as an excuse. Come back to church. Get back into fellowship. I know that that is good because it helps me. It's, it, it, and when you're involved in it, it, it changes everything. Iron sharpening iron. Praying for one another. Seeing each other. <laughs> I remember when the COVID-19 thing was happening and Kathy and I were just coming into my office and I had the, the Mac there in front of me and we were doing the online services and I was staring at a green dot for months, speaking to all of you. I came in, the building was empty. I left and the building was empty for days. I come in and the building was empty and I left and the building was empty for days and days and days. Three months goes by and then finally we start getting back together again. I can't tell you how exciting that is. It's sort of like, you know, like when your leg is falling asleep and it's tingling and everything, and it's like pins and needles, and as you, and as the blood starts to flow, it starts to feel better. It was sort of like that. It was like something was being cut off, and all of a sudden the life now is starting to come back into the church again. Because you, folks, you, the Spirit of God dwells in you if you're a Christian, and that life is so important. Your life is so important. Your life is so important, not only to God, but to everyone else. That's why fellowship is so sweet. Take advantage of it. We have to be careful, but take advantage of it. And not only that, learn to be obedient to the things that the Bible shows us, right? So like in James, what does it say? Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Not in some kind of legalism. No, because of what he's done for me, I want to do those things because I know he's telling me the truth. When somebody's telling me the truth, I whole, whole, wholeheartedly want to do 
that truth. I want to be involved in that. I want to do what he says. And has he lied to you yet? Will he ever lie to you? No, he will never lie to you. He is the faithful and true witness. There's no one like him. You can trust him. Verse 5, the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, he raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. The fact that this angel swore or gave an oath by him who lives forever and ever shows that this angel's not Jesus. Because whenever you swear, you always swear by the greater and Jesus and God, the father and the Holy spirit. They are what they are equal. So why would this angel, if it was Jesus swear by the greater when he is the greater, amen. He is. And he said that there should be delay no longer. The idea behind this is that the things that God had in his heart to continue to do, it's going to go now, and it's going to continue onward, and it's not going to delay. And notice what it says there. He swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven. Is there any doubt in this angel's heart who created things? No, he's very much aware. Everyone else is confused on the earth. The theory of evolution, is it still a theory or is it a fact now? Has it become so um, uh, anodized that now it's a fact? They're teaching it as fact in schools and universities and colleges today. They're teaching it as fact. It is not a fact. It is the most fallible thing in the world. Science even says that. Why are so many people embracing it? I'll tell you why. Because if you, if you don't embrace God, you've only got one other alternative. And that's just to give in to the flesh and live for tomorrow we die. Have a big party, because that's all you've got. But now when you're accountable to God, the angel knew very well. Notice there's no debate in heaven about whether who, who created it. No, he created it. It was a very single thing. He spoke, and it happened. None of this evolution, none of this theistic evolution, where God used millions of years. No, <laughs> he did not use millions of years. He spoke, and it was good. In the evening, in the day, in the, in the morning, and then, and then the next day, and then the next day. He created it all in six days. Literal 24-hour days. He created it all. Is your God so small that he can't do that? No, he's not. Our God is big. He can do anything. Exalt him. Glorify him for who he is. Amen? Exalt him. Glorify him. <laughs> Amazing. Is it still the theory of evolution? Jesus is the creator. Let's just look at a couple of quick things here. And you all know this, but for those of you who are new, be reminded again. What does it say in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did he create it by over millions of years? No, it says he created it. And then the morning and the evening, or the evening and the morning were the first day. And then he created other things. And he continued to create in that creation week. What does it say in Colossians? He, who's speaking of, Paul speaking of Jesus, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Notice that. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Thrones and dominions, principalities and powers, all these things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And guess what? In him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, not the Pope. He is the head of the body of Christ. Jesus Christ, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Hallelujah. <laughs> what about John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word. 
the Logos. We know that's Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Logos, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense to me. We already read Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth shows forth his handiwork. His handiwork is in the earth. He made it. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.